What happens in the year 2140 when all the Bitcoin are mined? And who really cares because we'll all be dead anyhow? Well, we're going to share our extremely limited knowledge on this topic. And then it's the much anticipated interview with someone who really does know what's going on, Max Kaiser of the Kaiser Report. It's going to be a fun one. So belly up to the Bitcoin bar and drink down a long, tall glass of the Bad Crypto Podcast. Episode number 34 style, Shaken, Not Stirred. entered a strange new place, a place beyond the realm of possibilities, beyond the realm of sanity, in into the realm of cryptology. Welcome, bad cryptopians, to the Bad Crypto Podcast. Look at me, and you'll see a world of pure bit imagination. <laughs> That's Mr. Travis Wright over there. How you doing, Travis? I am doing well, and I am so excited for you folks who are tuning in to listen to the interview that we have for you today, we had the great opportunity to chat with Max Kaiser when we were at in Aspen at the Nexus Earth event. And this one is a good one. It, it's a really good one. We've been sitting on it for a few weeks now, and we're sitting on one more interview, which we'll be releasing in an upcoming episode with uh, Patrick Byrne, the CEO of Overstock.com. And they have some really cool blog blockchain initiatives that we had no idea existed. So that's going to be coming up. Yeah, they're actually their stock has actually increased about 35% since we chatted with them. So look, look at all our good mojo we have. We got the mojo going on. Serious. And so do all of you. By the way, I'm Joel Com, and uh, we're glad you're here. We are in the thick of bad cryptober. And many of you are participating and finding out how you can get up to a million free bad coin, the official token of the bad crypto podcast, the show for the crypto curious and the crypto serious. If you want to find out how you can get some of your own all up in your wallet, badco.in forward slash bad Yes, over a thousand entries so far. So pleased to see the bad crypto community all up in it, sharing it with their friends and uh, getting some, getting a chance to earn some, uh, some precious, precious uh, bad coin. Sweet, sweet bad coin. Sweet, sweet bad coin. Um, there's a, there's a song there. I was thinking of Neil Diamond, you know, sweet Caroline. Mm-hmm. Sweet, sweet bad coin. Crypto never felt so good. Anyway, let's go go to To the the moon, to the moon, to the moon, moon. and to the mailbox. You have one new message. Hey, this is Kristen. I'm wondering in 100 years when all the Bitcoin has been released into circulation, there will be no more miners then, right? So who will verify transactions on the blockchain? Thank you. Great question, Kristen. Thank you so much for calling in. It's always great to hear from a crypto chick, although you did not say stay bad. So, boo. She said it in my mind, though. She said it in the mind. Thank you is not the same as stay bad. But great question. So as Joel mentioned in the uh, in the intro, uh, that's going to happen in the year 2140, which 
most of us will be dead. Yeah, who cares? Who cares? They, cre- they create some amazing life elixir uh, that lets us all live longer. Travis, they're going to put our brains into cryo, and the, our brains are still going to be doing bad crypto. Um, That'll be great. But well, then we could do bad cryober. Yeah. That's that was horrible. So the question is, what's going to happen? So there will still be miners who will verify these transactions, assuming that Bitcoin is still around in the year 2140. Now, what happens is, is that every time you do a transaction, there are some small transaction fees, right? And that will continue to happen down the road. And so, you know, as I believe we saw how many how many havings is it going to have over the course of all these years? I don't know, like 32 halvings, maybe something like that. So every 210,000 blocks, the uh, the reward is halved. So it started at 50, and then it's, it went to 25. Now it's at 12.5 per block. And that's going to continue halving until it's worth point. Actually, till it's worth 42 Satoshis. That's that's how much you get between the year 2136 and the year 2140. But what happens is, is anytime there's a transaction, there will be transaction fees. And those miners who are helped verifying those transactions would get portions of those transaction fees. So that's how it works. Yeah. I, you know, part of me wonders, will it ever really get to the end or will my, will there come a point where it's not profitable enough, even with the small transaction fees? I've got to imagine that the technology and, uh, you know, the changes in the way the currency operates will happen many times, just like they're happening now, right? We just had the, the split and the segwit, and now we've got another Bitcoin, you know, fork coming up. And I think that's going to keep happening and they're going to solve that problem before it really becomes a problem. Yeah. And then the next problem is the quantum computing problem and how these hashes could be, you know, hacked over X amount of time potentially, but that's way down the road. But so I would assume that there would be an even more secure cryptocurrency that pops up eventually before all of the bitcoins get mined oh and forgot to mention you have questions feel free to call us or write us at badcryptopodcast at gmail.com or on our website badcryptopodcast.com and click the contact form what's our phone number again travis i can never remember that thing yeah our phone number is 708-885- nine zero three zero and then you know also people of you know not only are they going to our website and hitting the contact us form which is actually a really good way to ensure that your question does not get lost or your sponsorship inquiry or whatever you're reaching out to us about go to badcryptopodcast.com hit the contact form that's a really easy way if it's a text-based question some people are messaging us on Facebook. They're messaging us on Instagram, uh, sending us DMs, and sometimes those questions get lost. So, but I would there say was part- that one person that showed up on my doorstep with a question, and I was like, "That was awkward." Oh my yeah. god, you guys! No, so very Stock weird. Talk much? Anyway, we're going to have abbreviated news because our feature with Max Kaiser really is the feature of this show. But I thought we would just take a quick look at the state of the market and just looking at Coinbase.com right now, Bitcoin has come back and and broken through the $4,500 mark again. Yes, as it sits right now, it is $4,561 at this minute of recording, almost $76 billion in market cap. Uh, we have Ethereum that's sitting over 310 uh, We have Ripple that's over t- almost 26 cents right now, which is interesting. Which, by the way, is my coin of the month. 
It is. It is. Yours is going up. Mine is going down. Yeah. What's I don't get that either. So because I think I like Nexus also. I don't presently own any, but I've been watching it and thinking there might really be a, a good endpoint for this. So I would really love to see Ripple blow up, though. That would just make me grin ear to ear. Yeah. And you know what's crazy? I was doing some analysis on this. And if you go on on uh, coinmarketcap.com and then click on tools, uh, which is one of the tabs, you can actually see historical snapshots. And I tweeted this today that seven months ago today, Ripple was at 0. 0.009 cents. So it wasn't even a penny per. And uh, man, the amount of growth in these last few months has been insane. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. And looking at the altcoins, they're up, they're down, they're up, they're down. The the altcoin market itself, I think, is really dependent upon the success of Bitcoin and, uh, and Ethereum. And so, you know, while there's a few outliers that are doing well on their own, for the most part, it seems to me, and I could be wrong, that the next surge is going to happen. Uh, this is just my lame prediction when the next Bitcoin split comes up in November. I, I think where I believe, and I could be very wrong, that there's going to be another surge across the market. And so I'm going to be watching for that and see how that plan, uh, plays out. You're very wrong, Mr. Joe Com. Always so wrong. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's so painful to look back at the time, you know, really look at Ethereum back six, even six months ago, $25, you know, wow, Monero, 15 bucks, Litecoin, $3 and 80 cents. Like these past six months in the crypto world have been utterly impressive. It has been incredible to watch this stuff boom like it has. It's not all we're not always going to be riding these these uh, these bull runs. There's there's times where it's going to be pulling back. And uh, but this has been such an interesting time for consolidation in the space. And the interest has grown pretty substantially in this space as we've grown from like twenty five billion in market cap to a hundred. And uh, what are we today? One hundred and fifty billion plus. I mean, that's just very, very impressive to watch how this thing has gone. It's crazy. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what, let's hear from somebody who really knows what he's talking about, because Max Kaiser, who you and I met at the Nexus Earth Conference in Aspen just a few short weeks ago, is a guy who's been into Bitcoin and cryptocurrency for many, many years. The Kaiser Yes, he actually promoted it. He promoted it at $2 a Bitcoin. Yeah, Kaiser Report is the name of his show, Financial News and Analysis. He started in September 2009. It's a 30-minute program that they produce three times a week with his co-host and wife, Stacey Herbert. So he's he's been going at this, you know, again, since September 2009. He's way more knowledgeable about financial markets across the board. And uh, let's go ahead and go to the interview with Max Kaiser. About what you do with the tv show that i do yeah the show the big well, show yeah the kaiser report's been on rt for seven years now we were the first to introduce bitcoin to the world on a mainstream network in 2011 when it was three dollars a bitcoin we were the first to talk about ethereum the first to talk about litecoin we first to talk about lots of stuff uh so we've kind of uh 
brought Bitcoin to people all over the world. Wherever I go, people stop me and say, you know, thanks to you, I bought Bitcoin at seven bucks, ten bucks, fifteen bucks. Uh, thank you, and it's changed lives. So that has been very rewarding in that sense. Where were you when I wanted to buy it? Three bucks and ten bucks. Well, RT, you know, because it's considered to be uh, dangerous, uh, is not broadcast in the U.S. as much as it should be. Mm. So as a result, a lot of people missed out on the Bitcoin revolution because America is afraid of any competition, whether it's in fiat money or media. Uh, therefore, the fault lies with the U.S. government's inability to foster competition. You know, the U.S. has become a an oligopoly has become an, has become a kleptocracy, and there's this. There need more competition, both in fiat money and money and in media. So, sadly, uh, there are people all over the world that got the word before Americans, simply because the U.S., particularly Wall Street, is very frightened about what we talk about on the show. And you see that now with the response of Jamie Dimon. And Bitcoin again this morning. Yes, again. so freaking I don't, out about I don't want to hijack your show, but uh, no, hijack away. I could hijack talk away. about what he said this morning. <laughs> well, Jamie Diamond, you know, a year and a half ago or so. You're a big fan. He's a big fan of Jamie Diamond. By the way, CEO <laughs> of J.P. Morgan Chase. That's Jamie Diamond. Yeah, you know, he's a long-term Wall Street scoundrel, break, lawbreaker, serial fraudster. A scallywag, even? He's a scallywag. He's, he's shyster. And, uh, <laughs> you know, 18 months ago, he said that Bitcoin was going to eat Wall Street's lunch. And you know, he, so he sounded the alarm. And he also, the bank tried to patent uh, Bitcoin competitors 170 times already. They're trying to fight it in the intellectual property uh, route, the way that the uh, Digital Millennium Copyright Act, the DMCA, tries to fight copyright. And and there's, that's a whole other issue that I'd like to get into sometimes is how copyright laws are onerous. But anyway, so but they can be used in the court to shut down speech. And so he's trying to use patents to shut down uh, crypto. So that all failed. And now he's just resorted to name calling, acting out, and trying to um, badmouth the space in public. Meanwhile, his customers around the world are buying it, uh, <laughs> buying Bitcoin uh, on the dips. So he's creating dips, and now he's up for uh, you know violating um, anti manipulation laws. Yeah, that's a big problem if you're out there trying to to influence the market by throwing out some fear and uncertainty and doubt, and then the price does go down, and then they go in and buy a whole bunch of it. That's that's pretty unscrupulous. He's saying that there's, it's a fraud, and yet his customers are buying it. Mm -hmm. So his, he's allowing his customers to buy something that he's stated to be a fraud. But his agents are selling it to them, right? Well, they have, they have the means by which to buy it through the platform that J.P. Morgan's involved with. And so if he truly believed it was a fraud, in the legal sense of the word, then wait, that's a legal term you know, on Wall Street. I worked on Wall Street for many years. I'm sorry. And yeah, well, I mean, I'm familiar with what you, the do's and don'ts of what you can and cannot say. Fraud is a word that if you use it from the CEO of JP Morgan and then you allow customers to engage in purchasing uh, securities or uh, anything to do with what you're talking about as a fraud, you in, are committing, therefore, a, a violation. You should be, of course, it would only add to the billions and billions of dollars of fines that J.P. Morgan has already paid for peddling fraudulent investments. Right. Well, if you actually look at the history of J.P. Morgan and even the person J.P. Morgan, I mean, they've sort of brought on to the world some of the biggest financial frauds in the history of the world, would you say? J.P. Morgan was a key guy to get the Federal Reserve organized. 
because it gave his bank and the bankers an unlimited line of credit uh, so that they could, uh, anytime they made a mistake, they could bail themselves out. And that's the history of the Federal Reserve Bank. And we saw in 2008 in a spectacular way where it was decided that instead of bailing out the debtors, as is as was the case for thousands of years, you know, you bail out the debtors. It goes back to the debt jubilee concept. Mm-hmm. It's in the frickin' Bible. Uh, no, this time they bailed out the creditors. Yeah. And uh, what did the creditors do with the $15 trillion, now $25 trillion that was given to them? They used it to build out their Ponzi scheme even greater, even more spectacularly. Mm -hmm. Uh, They used it to float even more egregiously overpriced garbage securities, and now we're facing another huge financial collapse. Thanks, Obama. Obama's uh, pretty part with Bill Clinton. Bill Clinton Mm -hmm. allowed, talking about Jamie Dimon, when they bought Travelers, uh, that was a violation that they had to repeal the Glass-Steagall Act to make that Mm -hmm. work. Mm-hmm. And, and they did that retroactively. So right. first, ja- first, Jamie Dimon blo- broke the law by acquiring Travelers Corp, mm-hmm. um, which is a violation uh, of the Glass-Steagall Act. And then they retro- was that a Citibank? Didn't yeah, Citibank and Travelers. So then, then they retroactively. Um, no, well, I may, I may be getting this, this slightly confused. Citibank bought Travelers. Citibank bought Travelers. Okay, right. Thank okay. you for that correction. This is it the bad crypto podcast. It's okay. So, so we're not always accurate. It wasn't, but. Just to, okay, so let me get. I just corrected Max Kaiser. Do you believe that shit? Boom. (laughs) That's that's why you guys are are like getting to be number one in the space, right? (laughs) Thank you. You'll soon be number one. Dashing good lucks. I think it's Joel's jokes. So, anyway, Clinton allowed for retroactive law to be changed to allow that um, merger to take place. And. No, there wasn't Jamie Dimon that time, but okay, he's part of the industry, but that's my point. Mm-hmm. Okay. So he, what he talked about this morning saying that it's fraudulent was that governments will shut it down. So I have a two-point question yeah. for you. One, is he? Is there a chance that that could happen? We see it, you know, China's kind of on the brink. And what would that do to the cryptocurrency market? And how can you shut down a decentralized coin it seems well but they could make it illegal and then it becomes black market so what are your thoughts well, would yeah. the u.s government do that uh, well, you know what what happened to uh napster you know went to um BitTorrent, and BitTorrent is unstoppable and more people download a game of thrones on BitTorrent for free than watch it on hbo and the hbo's never made more money and game of thrones made a lot of money it didn't stop money from being made and BitTorrent is unstoppable Bitcoin similarly is unstoppable. No one's going to stop it. What you have to understand historically is that uh, Bitcoin is going to do to the nation state what the printing press did to the Catholic Church. Mm, yes. So when information became widely available, suddenly the monopoly that the church had in medieval times collapsed, more or less. And shortly thereafter, you had the Renaissance, you had the Enlightenment, and you had the Constitution of the United States. You had a new approach to self-governance. Now we are at a point where the nation state itself is being challenged by the fact that this money is being created outside of the nation, outside of the central banks. And I love um, uh, Jameson Lopp, who I follow on Twitter. I think he's one of the sagest guys out there. He he talks about how at some point these bankers are going to come to the crypto community for a bailout. Mm. You think about it, as the dollar collapses, as the fiat world collapses, and Bitcoin goes to five hundred thousand dollars a coin, a million dollars a coin. These folks with a billion dollars a coin, right? So these these when when the world's um, institutions need to be bailed out, they're gonna, they're not going to go to the IMF or the special drawing right. They're going to come to the crypto community, 
And then, you know, and then we take, take terms. One, one of the terms will be, okay, all central bankers will be uh, strung up and beaten to death. Uh, Jamie Dimon will be force fed to dogs, uh, you know, and that stuff Big like dogs, that. Big dogs, little dogs. Will there Big be peanut, dogs. peanut butter involved? There's no, there's no <laughs> penalty too severe for that financial terror. Historically, they would actually. That's what happened to those people who would do those big crimes of humanity. They would actually, you know, John get quartered. Yeah, you know, get back at medieval on them. Yeah, you know, they, there it's, has to be a deterrent. If you're J.P. Morgan and you break the law, and the deterrent yeah. is that you pay a fine with other people's money. Yeah, that's not a deterrent. Two thousand eight, there was all these criminals, and you know, with the crash, and nobody got, nobody really got penalized. They had a little bit of, a little bit of slap on the hand, but there was nobody jailed, was there? No. Interesting history to that is that the crimes of two thousand eight mirrored the crimes of the savings and loan scandals. Mm. Of, of the 1980s, and what happened in the 1980s? Did they reform the system to prevent those crimes from happening again? No, they reformed the system to make what was illegal at that time legal. Mm. So the 2008 crisis was a, was in a repeat of the savings and loan. They the institutions realized that they could commit massive fraud, and they were guaranteed to get a bailout the way that the federal insurance schemes are set up. That's mm. that's the scandal, and but they made that legal. Uh, during the previous 20 years. Mm-hmm. So when Lloyd Blankfein or Jamie Dimon says, well, what we did was technically not illegal. Yeah, that's right, because you changed the laws to make... Was it the first Bush that did that, or was it Reagan, or was it Clinton? Well, in the, in the 1980s, of course, it was the period of Reagan, you know, uh, and this great deregulatory push of, of Reagan. Clinton uh, put pushed a lot of... They, they brought in um, the repeal of Glass-Steagall. They also brought in the Commodity Futures Modernization Act, which uh, changed um, the status of derivatives from being instruments of gambling to being bona fide invest- investment in- instruments. So this is uh, basically a free-for-all. There is no rule of law at all on Wall Street. There are no laws. There's no rules. And as Eric Holder, former attorney general of the United States, said, these banks are too big to prosecute. Mm. <laughs> the law doesn't apply to them. It's, it's, so it's a two-tiered system, basically, right, exactly. for, for the legal and system. And I interviewed him. Uh, he's getting off a plane in Washington. We ambushed him. And I said, like, do you have any guilt about the tens of thousands of Mexicans that were, got beheaded and murdered because you, HSBC, you allowed them to launder money for the Sinanola cartel? And he's like, the Fast and the Furious deal. Yeah, well, mm-hmm. that, uh, yeah, we got the drugs, the guns were coming, going to Mexico, but they, the HSBC, set up actual uh, boxes that were in the shape of million-dollar briefcase bricks to allow the cartel, drug cartel, to launder money. At the Cambios that were owned mm-hmm. by HSBC. What did he say? He 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 denied that there that he had blood on his hands because I, I said you've got blood on your hands. And then uh, this was after a ten minute interview in which we were laying out the case for why he was essentially uh, allowing for massive law breaking. And then he started to run away like a little you know you know say what you want to say you know it's well. Okay. <laughs> You know, you see, he, he scurried ex- away. This is know. an explicit rated show. In, in frightened, frightened, <laughs> in a frightened manner, he ran away, mm. like so, any bully would. Yeah. So, uh, uh, you know, Matt McKibben. D- yeah, the uh, three sixty. Yeah, yeah. Um, D three. Okay. Uh, so I talked to Matt a couple weeks ago at an event in San Francisco, and he said there will be a million tokens in the years to come. That yeah. Everything's going to be tokenized, and that you know this all all the altcoins that. You know, a lot of people are like, well, there's a thousand lists on coin market cap already. You know, how do we keep track? And ICOs are coming out like crazy. Do you concur with that, that there's going to be in, you know, maybe 10 years, a million different tokens that serve just about every niche? There could be. There's already thousands. You know, if you look at the securities market, stocks and bonds and Forex market and derivatives, there are 
tens of thousands of instruments all over the world. The, I think the more important trend is the interoperability of these tokens to tr to uh, work together, like the Lightning Network now, which is uh, they're, they're engaging in cross blockchain atomic swaps. Yeah. Okay, I think that we have to do this. Is that it? Yeah, yeah, do that. Okay. See, that to me is incredibly important because mm -hmm. um, if you have a token and it's a niche token and it's for something local, uh, but you know you can plug into this global crypto network and do swaps and do trades. And does that make you a fan of Litecoin or are you a Bitcoin purist? Um, well, I try to focus on because my media platform is big. I try to to, to just push the biggest coin, which is Bitcoin. And then leave it to people to explore for themselves the other coins. Because when I found out that when, when I start talking about the other coins, it moves the price around. Not as much uh, in the last year or two, but going back five or six years, like with, I talked about Litecoin on my show, it was five. And we said, oh, it could go to 50. And it went to 50 in a week. Mm -hmm. And so that's, you know, it's a, it's a bit, um, I don't want... It's too, the, the volatility has to be taken into consideration. Got a market mover here, right? <laughs> With great power comes great responsibility. Yeah. Well, so so, so I just focus on Bitcoin, and this way people can drill down and look at the other coins. That's kind of their gateway, the gateway coin into the crypto world. Right. That's so, one of the things that we like to do. We like to explore some of those ICOs. I have a couple of questions for you, and they're and they're two different things. So, one, I remember uh, listening to your show back in I think 2010 or 2011 when you were doing. Crash JP Morgan, buy silver, buy yeah. silver, crash JP Morgan. And silver went from like twenty to fifty dollars. And yeah. I remember buying buying silver up in that time and I was like, I was all super bullish. I have lots of silver. I love silver. He's a pirate. I'm a big pirate. And a lot of some of that thanks to you. And uh, you know, it would have been better to buy Bitcoin actually at that time. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I was thinking, man, the, the market could crash. Who who wants a digital currency if the whole you know thing is crumbling? So I want to talk about the amount of gold versus the amount of paper gold and the amount of silver versus the amount of paper silver, because it seems to me there is there is so much more paper than there is actual physical gold. And so in physical silver that the price should be way higher than it actually is, it seems. Well, that's the that's the con in the silver futures market is that in the gold futures market is that the traders on Wall Street are able to sell futures contracts into the market that they are creating un uncollateralized it's called naked short selling uncollateralized naked short selling right so if you wow. have if you have i can i if i'm jp morgan i can sell um 20 million worth of silver futures contracts into the marketplace that i that i am creating as i'm selling those futures contracts there's no there's no uh there's no there's no issuance of a security that is that's bound by any legal framework whatsoever. They're simply selling naked shorts. They're selling they're selling features that they themselves have just created on the spot. So it's a scam. It's a scam. That, well, you know, this is a problem on Wall Street. Naked short selling, and you know you have here at the conference from Overstock, Patrick Byrne, who's battled Wall Street for years because Overstock was being hammered by these naked shorts. In the case of the naked shorts for Overstock. There's a reg show, it's called, which is supposed to be to reconcile trades at a timely manner. If you have a naked, if you if you have a sale of a security uh, within a, a certain timely uh, period of time, you need to reconcile that uh, trade with the outstanding number of shares in the marketplace. Uh, but the, this is abused, and so what happens is there's more stock sold short in a company like Overstock that exists in the mm, market. In fact, mm. they might have half a billion shares that they've floated 
but there's a billion shares sold short. Mm. So there's more wow. paper. So you see that now. You see that in the silver market. You see it in the gold market. And so it's like five hundred to one or something, isn't it? Five five thirty, like five, paper paper silver versus regular silver and two hundred some. Crazy. It's unfortunately what's happened in the gold and silver market is it's become a funded currency. So let's say if you want to raise money to invest in a higher yielding currency. Um, in the world uh, or a higher yielding portfolio of bonds. You have a portfolio of bonds that pays 5% and you want to put money into that 5%. Okay, how do you raise money to put money into that 5% yielding bond is you can sell gold short. And when you sell the gold, you, you take the cash. Mm-hmm. You've sold gold. Even though you don't, you don't own it and it doesn't mm-hmm. exist, mm-hmm. you still keep the cash. Okay. Wow. And then you go buy your 5%. You're, you're hammering the price of gold down as you're selling it. Even though, you, even though you don't even have it, you don't own any. You're selling, you're selling the gold you don't own. It goes down. You're making five percent here on the money you got for free, and then at some point when the price is down, you cover your short the lower price and you profit mm. from the lower price. Hmm. What a game! Okay, and 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 you've 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 booked a profit on money, uh, you, you know, covering your short. And this is always going to work because there's always going to be demand for gold and silver. Mm. You know, Peter Schiff and others are saying, buy gold, buy gold, buy gold. People buy gold. And there's always a demand for gold. And so anytime it's up to 1300 these guys come in with the naked shorts. They bang it down. They use the proceeds to get a quick 5% somewhere else. The price goes down to a level where it's, you know, people are going to start buying it again. They cover their short. They're cover it, and right. they make the quick buck there. So this is the problem with the precious metals. This is why precious metals are stuck in this trading range. They're not mm-hmm. moving. Bitcoin doesn't really have that, is not deep. The market is not deep. You don't have that institutional ability to manipulate the price. Mm-hmm. So it's a free market. And what does it show? What does the front, Bitcoin's price shows that there is actually inflation in the world today. You know, people say there's no inflation, but yet food price is going up. Education is like doubled and tripled. Healthcare is doubled and tripled. There's real inflation. They've had quantitative easing one, two, and three, and they put so many billions of dollars into circulation that obviously you'd think if they put four times as much money in, the price of gold should have at least you know matched that. But right. it stayed steady in the amount of money that's actually gone in. One so fo- we see that Bitcoin, but yeah. not gold for the yeah. reasons I just said. Now I want to ask you about assets and tokenizing gold and silver and. I want to ask about, because you mentioned it, you mentioned it real briefly, the IMF and the SDR, the special drawing rights. Now, is there, because I've read some stuff. I like going down rabbit holes and kind of checking out how these things work. And so I, I came across a couple of, of companies. One uh, was, was AC Chain or something. There's some other ones, and they're, they're tokenizing assets. Mm-hmm. And if the IMF is coming through and doing some special, special drawing rights and then tokenizing everything and creates these super master nodes or whatever, is there a way for them to you know, confiscate all the all of our value if everything becomes tokenized and everything has to go through their system? Is that something that you... Well, that's a centralized approach, which is, uh, you know, Bitcoin is a decentralized approach. So mm-hmm. it's always going to be more desirable than any centralized approach. The IMF can tokenize all they want. You can create a gold-backed crypto coin and, and all you want, but it's still... Has to the gold has to be verified by a third party. How do I know that the gold you say is in the vault backing your crypto is actually gold? I have no idea. It has to be verified. Right. So therefore, why even have a crypto? Why why bother that you're you're using the wrong technology incorrectly? Decentralization means it's completely secure and outside of a third party verification. It means individual sovereignty. You are a sovereign. I'm sovereign because we have our own money. Okay. So final question, and then we will unshackle you from the centralized location that you're in. McAfee, 
John McAfee? Yeah. Yes. So, uh, you know, everybody knows by now, he said, uh, Bitcoin, half a million in three years, or there will be an unholy meal on national <laughs> television. Uh, <laughs> I don't care so much what you think about him. What do you think about his prediction? Uh, well, you see, uh, getting into the, what I said in 2011, uh, when I went to this conference in Prague, uh, with Amir Taki was there. I was there. Stacy was there. And um, Rick Fokvina was there from Stockholm. And Rick was, he invented the Pirate Party. And he made a presentation about why Bitcoin would go to $100,000 a coin. Remember, this is when it was three. Hmm. And he laid out his case, basically, that Bitcoin begins to be used by various markets, the Forex market, central bank market, strategic reserve market, store of value market. And it'll capture a percentage of global Forex market. If it captures even one or two percent, you're talking about $100,000 per coin. Hmm. And I said on our show, I feel very comfortable with that prediction. And I've said since then, that's my target is 100000 per coin. Hmm. And the rate of, you know, it's compounding. Bitcoin's compounding at a rate of just under 1% a day. So if you extrapolate that number, you end up getting to your various price points. Mm-hmm. Um, John McAfee's, you know, John McAfee is a guy who's done battle in the corporate world. And also he's done battle with states, you know, Belize, you know, it's a well-known story. Right. And, um, He's somebody like uh, the guy from Patrick Byrne from Overstock who has seen the, the dark side of both corporate corporate uh, governance issues and the state. And so, you know, he's going all in on Bitcoin. And he is a media savvy guy who knows that part of the adoption rate of Bitcoin is media coverage. The media covers it. The Google search uh, gets high. People buy into it. Now they're vested in it. Once you're vested in it, you know, your opinion is going to be representative of your vested interests. So then it gets, then you have a pullback because it's overbought. Mm -hmm. Uh, Then all the media says, oh my God, it's a crash, blah, blah, blah. Then the core adopters say, we don't care because our price basis is seven. (laughs) Right? So then... Um, it starts to make a move again. Then the media comes in and then you have this, the cycle keeps repeating itself over and over again. So the media is a key part of it. Mm. And John is great in that he is hitting the media button hard to get the word out because he brings in new users. Right. And the new users are forming the base. And the mm-hmm. bigger the base, the, the stronger the, the messages gets out there, the more um, resilient the coin is. And I think five five years ago, I was talking to uh, Roger there last night, and uh, <laughs> we were chatting, you know, as you do. And uh, Jesus of Bitcoin, with, yes, you know, nevertheless, he is a pillar of the community. For and sure. you know, as he pointed out, that maybe five years ago, a, a, some state, you know, like a China, could have come in and, and messed things up by taking control of the mining, what have you. But now it's just uh, cats out of the bag now. It's, right. too, it's too late. So either Satoshi is just a vision from the, you know, I, I, you know he's just worked this out so brilliantly. It mm. is a brilliant concept, and it's now this, this, the various states around the world are waking up to the fact that they are facing a challenge to their power. I mean, think about China. China 
is an authoritarian state. They're all about censorship it's and keeping it. You can't say certain words. Or the they, Great Firewall yeah. of China. Mm-hmm. And, and they came out and said, we're going to ban it. The market was like. Well, they also said a few months ago that we're going to create our own. Like the People's Bank of China said, we're going to create our own Chinese cryptocurrency, right? And then they're now they're trying to ban Bitcoin and the, or ban the, the exchanges and ICOs. They're really doing that. We right. don't yeah. know for sure. But the market's saying, you know, we don't care. <laughs> so what? Right. You don't know, imagine that. It must be a real come down, you know, like China, I think, may have thought of themselves as having some influence in this. Mm-hmm. But they don't, you know, because Japan says, oh, we'll take the business. South Korea, we'll take the business. Switzerland, you can pay taxes, Bitcoin in Switzerland. You know, they, people are going to... Want, want to trade. They want to do business. And Bitcoin is the best way to do it. It's the best money to do it. It's the best rail to do it, best transaction to do it. And if you don't want to be part of the 21st century, go back to the farm, Chinese people. You know, you know we There's helped you. Price. you know, America got you out of the, off the farm by allowing you to abuse our currency. There's always by Manipulating rice. the dollar. Okay. Mm-hmm. So now you've got middle class in China. Okay. Now, if you reject Which Bitcoin, has exploded in the last 20 years. If you years. reject Bitcoin, then go back to the farm. You know, America giveth, America taketh away, China. Okay. You, you, don't, you don't play ball with us. Back to the paddy fields for you. Go away. We don't want you. You stink. <laughs> and the market didn't actually, it, it tanked a little bit, but then it came right back up to around four grand, right? Yeah. So are we going to be plateaued here for a while? I notice every other sort of spike has been a boop, and then it's come down a little bit, and then a boop, and then it's come down a little bit. Are we are we going to be in for a plateau for a while, you think? I think the 3,000 uh, 3, print was the interim low. I don't think – I don't think – maybe on an inter, intraday basis you see a move under 3,000. But not, I think that was the interim low. You know, my – I I think 10,000 is, is doable the next – year um, because the things that I know for sure banks continue to commit massive fraud and will need a bailout Deutsche Bank is technically insolvent it's got a trillion dollar derivatives portfolio it's going under it's being held up by by vapor from the central Mm. banks two the debt continues to skyrocket three the US dollar is being rejected all over the world the US dollar is losing its world reserve currency so the Mm. fiat world is crumbling before our eyes so that leaves really just two outcomes, gold or Bitcoin. And I think gold's going to do very well. Once it breaks out, once the central banks lose their ability to manipulate the price, it'll break out too. Gold's going to do great, but not as great as Bitcoin. Max Kaiser, Russia Today. Uh, is it RT? RT, sure. Yeah. Russia, RU. What's the website? You just, you just... At Kaiser uh, Report? Yeah, whatever. <clears throat> I don't know. I go on YouTube. I don't know. Excellent. This is... Um, we have some worthless token of our own called Bad Coin. Oh, excellent! And and uh, we're gonna get with you and figure out how we can send you a million of them. This nice because they're just they're utterly worthless for for now. But even Dogecoin was worthless at the beginning, right? They they all start from a, from the void. Absolutely, the place, the same place that Jesus came from, <laughs> the immaculate birth. Thanks for joining us today. Oh, oh, we gotta go. Okay. That's so awesome, yeah, man! Yeah. Really appreciate it, man. Yeah. That's great. All right, super. Hey, bye, y'all. Thank you, buddy. What a, a great time with Max, real down-to-earth guy, super smart, super funny, and those of you who are going to go check out the Bad Crypto Extra on our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash Bad Crypto, and on the YouTube channel, it's actually not a Bad Crypto Extra. What it is is the debate between Max Kaiser and Peter Schiff 
goldmoney.com. And you'll recall from a previous episode that Peter's the guy that says Bitcoin is going to zero. That is true. And so that right there was, was, <laughs> I mean, uh, Max Kaiser gets up a few times and just lays in to Peter in this sort of incredulous manner, lots of volume, pretty hilarious. And so that was a, that was a fascinating interview. So, uh, if you want to listen to that, go ahead and check that out. And then we have the full interview as well. The video of Max Kaiser and us interview him. That is actually there as well. well mo- so- most of it is <laughs> we shot it with video, but I forgot to change the battery. And so about 20 minutes in, the picture goes like that. The camera went dead. But we did keep recording with audio on my audio recorder. So I apologize. But, you know, by the time you're 20 minutes in, you're going to be sick of looking at us anyway. That's so true. And you you were like a Boy Scout there. You were prepared. Not only did you have the video, but you had the audio backup. And uh, very nicely done. That saved that saved the tuchus. That was nice. Save the Tuchus, a little Yiddish for you there. Well, hey, thanks, everybody, for listening to this episode of Bad Crypto Podcast. Please tell your friends, because that's how word gets around. We need you to be the viral marketing arm. If you like what you're hearing, then make sure to go review us and spread the word. Of course, Bad Cryptober facilitates all of that where you can get bad coin for doing so. Again, the URL is badco.in forward slash bad cryptober. Friends forever, it's the Lord, the Lord again. <laughs> I don't know any more of that song. I heard it at a graduation recently. <laughs> it's like 25 years old or so. <laughs> but a goodie. All right. Well, hey, that's going to wrap the show. Check in for the next episode. I believe we've got an ICO spotlight coming up um, next. And by the way, the feedback on that has been great. Uh, turns out those of you that want to hear about ICOs and new projects that are happening on the blockchain, well, you dig it, which is cool because we dig doing them and we dig you. And until next time, stay bad. The Bad Crypto Podcast is a production of Bad Crypto, LLC. The content of the show, the videos, and the website is provided for educational, informational, and entertainment purposes only. It's not intended to be and does not constitute financial, investment, or trading advice of any kind. You shouldn't make any decisions as to finances, investing, trading, or anything else based on this information without undertaking independent due diligence and consultation with a professional financial advisor. Please understand that the trading of Bitcoin's and alternative cryptocurrencies have potential risks involved. Anyone wishing to invest in any of the currencies or tokens mentioned on this podcast should first seek their own independent professional financial advisor.